Welcome to the Wedding Digest by Wedbooker, the podcast that covers the exciting, challenging, and sometimes stressful aspects of planning a wedding, bringing you inspiration and advice from a wedding planner and other industry guests to help you save time, money, and your sanity. Brought to you by wedbooker.com, the place to book your dream wedding team with over 400 professional suppliers and venues at your fingertips. Hello, thanks so much for joining Ali and I for episode seven of The Wedding Digest. Hey guys, we have already spoken about so many things on the podcast so far. It's been budgets, venues, photographers, florists, all those big ticket wedding items. So today we're going to talk about everything else, everything else that you might forget, all those little things that you need to bring your wedding day to life. Yeah, and plus on today's episode, we're talking about the all-important wedding dress. I love this topic. We're thrilled to have one of the most sought-after brides and red carpet couture designers joining us. Our guest is the former head designer at the globally renowned Palace Couture. But two years ago, Jessica started her own label, J. Andrietta. Jessica is representing a new guard of couture. Her designs are seriously just amazing, bold, edgy, yet also feminine. Jessica has dressed the likes of Jacinta Franklin, Renee Barr, and also Brooke Hogan. Her designs are truly something else. Yeah, we cannot wait for you to hear our chat with Jessica. She shares what trends we can expect for 2021 and tips on finding the one and the process of designing a couture gown. All righty, let's get started. Okay, so Ali, we've booked our venue, ridden our guest list, we've chosen our florist and our photographer. What's next? Yeah, good question. So now it's all about those small styling elements that make your wedding totally unique and exactly what you have envisioned. Think like napkins, plates, candles, ceremony styling, catering, and all those little things. I think one of the things people often forget is the welcome sign and the seating chart. If you have these professionally printed, it can take like two or three weeks to have them done. So don't leave those to the last minute. Start thinking about them now. And then also Mm. what's that welcome sign going to sit on? Is it sitting on an easel? Is it sitting on a box? I would say just walk through your day from the moment you wake up in the morning on your wedding day full of excitement to arriving at the ceremony, then onto the reception and then leaving that night and think about every little styling moment and everything you see and and start building that out. It can really make a big difference. Yeah, and I think if you're not that creatively minded, then... um, that's when a wedding planner really um, does become your best friend because they can help you visualize this sort of thing if it doesn't come that easily to you. Yeah, it is so easy just to think of the big things and go, oh, I'm done, tick it all off, I'm ready to have my wedding day. But it is those small, tiny styling elements that really bring the whole day together. So if you do have those big items and you're feeling really organized, now is time to start looking at back at your Pinterest board, look back over social media and have a look at the images and sort of start building out those tiny little details that, as I said, do really make a big difference. And I should say uh, something that I would suggest you all consider when you get back to that your house or your hotel or your apartment, wherever you're going post-wedding for your first wedding or married night together with your partner, make sure there are snacks like romantic chocolates and, of course, some champagne that you guys can enjoy together post-wedding. Yes. You don't want to walk into an empty fridge. Like, no one wants to be the bride that's doing a 1 or 2 a.m. Macca's call on their wedding <laughs> night. Like, maybe you do, but I would say definitely have snacks in your fridge. Either way, you won't regret it. And obviously, after you've done this walkthrough and visualized, you know, the day from start to finish, you kind of need a to-do list. So what should be on our to-do list? Yeah. So your to-do list, aside from all of those big items and your suppliers and ticking everything off and making sure your budget's in line, I would make sure that you have 
I guess, an allocation of roles and responsibilities. I actually came found this part quite challenging for my own wedding day. I think being a wedding planner, everyone expected me to have done everything and to be doing it of everything which I had. But when you're the bride, you can't actually do everything on the wedding day or the, the night before your wedding because you're busy. You're busy with your girlfriends or you're busy getting ready. So start to build out an allocation of those roles and responsibilities, which family friend which family members or friends are going to bring what, who's packing the rings, who's bringing your dress, is someone dry cleaning it for you. Just add all that, all those sorts of things onto your to-do list and so everyone knows what they're doing. And I would also suggest no matter what stage of planning you are at, start to create what I call a pack list now. And you can then add things onto this pack list as you go. So if you're in the final stages with your wedding dress um, and your dress designer says, don't forget boob tape on your wedding day. You're going to need that to keep your boobs in place. It's really easy to forget those little things. If you have a pack list going, you can add those items onto the list from, you know, six, seven, eight months out from your wedding. And it's a reminder for you in the lead up not to forget any of those small things as well. Yeah, great tips. And if you're not comfortable with allocating, um, you know, the things for your for your bridal party or, you know, your mum or dad to, to do on the day, then again, that's when a wedding planner can, you know, come into play there because they look after all of that stuff on the day so you don't have to worry about anything or your guests. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so what are the most common things then couples forget when planning their wedding? Oh, it's so personal, but I think... God, I've actually had some brides come and forget a welcome sign, which I think it's one of those things because everyone knows they need one and they need a seating chart, but it's it's kind of just slips away from your mind. And then you get a month out from your wedding and you go, oh my goodness, I forgot that welcome sign. And now I need to get it custom made and I'm paying express fees. So believe it or not, the welcome sign and then also actually directional signage are two things that people you wouldn't think forget, but do forget. Um, Mm. So do them as early as you can. The seating chart's a little bit harder because you need to know who's coming and where everyone's sitting, but just just keep it in your calendar and make sure you don't forget that one. Um, (laughs) Then also transport for your guests. If you're not booking buses um, or if you are booking buses, don't forget what your guests might need or or what transport they might be taking to come to your wedding if you're expecting them to come in ubers or if you're going to be driving because you don't have buses think about parking where are they going to park on the ceremony location and then where are they going to park for the reception location and of course this is a big one that people always forget to think of if you are having a wedding ceremony in a park or in a beautiful location on a beach somewhere that's not actually a set venue make sure that there's bathroom access for your guests. It is something that you think is a no-brainer, but it's so easy to pick a beautiful location. And then, you know, on the wedding day, you go, oh my goodness, everyone's been here for two or three hours and there are no bathrooms. So definitely think about bathrooms as well. Oh, that is such a good tip. Well, thanks so much, Ellie. What we'll do is we'll make sure we've got all these tips on our show notes, which you can find at wedbooker.com. Thanks, Ellie. Okay, well, we are so incredibly excited to have Jessica from Jay Andriata joining us. Jess, you only launched your label two years ago and you've quickly made a name for yourself in bridal and red carpet couture. Firstly, let's start off with how did you get started? How did your passion for wedding dress designing start? Um, I guess this is a funny one because bridal was never really my end goal. Um, I studied fashion um, at White House and I always loved, you know, forward fashion, you know, locally made, ready to wear. And that's kind of where I saw myself being, you know, an Australian 
um, you know, casual wear designer, but then the industry sort of changed. So it went from local manufacturing to offshore manufacturing where you went from, you know, creating your own designs and pattern making in-house to literally emailing factories overseas and I just wasn't passionate about that and bridal was actually the only way you could have that hands-on aspect and make things locally and that's kind of where I ventured into bridal but then kind of fell in love with it loved the whole process of it and meeting girls and you know connecting with them on their journey and then um, it's such a rewarding industry to be in as well so it kind of organically unfolded and I love it now. And you were actually the head designer at world-renowned Palace Couture in Sydney. What was that experience like? Palace was such a wonderful company to work for. Um, that's where I really developed my skill set and the creative director really gave me flexibility and control and she really let me just do what I loved and I think she really nourished that. Um it was great. But then, you know, when you're working under a brand, you're limited with what you can do. And I think once we established their aesthetic and that was working for them, it, I was restricted with kind of pushing the boundaries a bit. So I guess um, that's where I felt like it was time for me to sort of go my own way. But it, it was such a wonderful um, company to work for and um, they're still doing really well. So, yeah. Two years ago, you started uh, your own bridal and red carpet couture label. What was it that encouraged you to actually take that leap and start your own label? Because it is always such a risk. It is, and it's really quite daunting. And I actually, you know, I, I, I dreamt of starting my own label but thought, you know, I mean, at Palace I had the dream sort of role, being completely creative and didn't have to worry about those business sort of aspects Um and accounts but um, I was at a point in my life where there was a lot of sort of change going on personally a relationship breakdown and I was just ready for a new start and an opportunity came up to sort of go out on my own and I decided well now's the time to do it you know go down this path take a risk and and see you know where my full potential could go and I'm so glad I did it because I'm loving every minute of it and I'm always looking for what I can do next that's different and um yeah, everyone's sort of reacting. I mean, the feedback's been so great. Jess, we are so glad you did it as well. Your designs are just amazing. Thank you. Can you tell us a little bit about your your collection and what makes uh, Jay Andriata so unique? So I'm actually um, about to release my next collection, um, which will be next week on Thursday. And um Oh, exciting. So I'm really excited about that. Um, At the time of this podcast launching, in fact. Yeah, there you go. Um, so, I mean, I've done several collections in the past and I guess with each collection I try to come up with something a little bit different that still kind of attracts the same kind of girl but, um, you know, whether it's experimenting with new fabrication and working on new textile developments, um, that's kind of what we're doing for this next collection. So rather than usually we go and source beautiful fabrics from all over the world and and sort of cut them up and morph them into our own designs, but we're actually from scratch developed our own. And one I love in particular is this embellishment which we've created from using cotton wool and rolling them into little balls and wrapping them in silk organza to create these little pebbles. Wow. And I'm so excited because they just look like little buttons all over the dress um but you'll see that for yourself if you're following um instagram next week we'll, we'll start releasing oh dream but yeah just being really different i i cannot wait wow i mean 
your yeah your dresses they are just I, I mean I love your Instagram page I think I like everything you post they're so edgy and feminine you just absolutely nail that look of that beautiful feminine feel but with the unique designs how do you go about creating something that is so timeless but so chic and on trend at the same time um, I think this is something that just comes naturally for me. I guess my designs are a reflection of my own personal style um, and how I believe, you know, certain women want to want to look and want to be perceived. Um, I think it's about finding the right balance between super femininity and edge. And I think the J. Andreata Bride is, is essentially a cool girl who dresses effortlessly but still wants that touch of glamour. So I think I'm really focusing on who she is and, you know, what she wants to wear and I think it just kind of comes organically. Do you have a muse? Like when you describe that person, that person in mind when you're thinking of J. Andreata, who's your muse? Who do you have in mind when you're, when you're um, thinking about your designs? Okay, I, I look to, I mean, I always look to like Rosie Huntington-Whitley. I think she's mm. amazing, her style. Her, yeah. Um, so she's always feminine but so cool and I think every girl kind of looks up to her. Um, I think, I mean, Margot Robbie, I love her as a person. I, I would love to dress her. I think that she's just so um, gracious and, like, edgy at the same time. You know, young cool girls that are kind of in that, that age bracket that could potentially be getting married soon, but they've just got their own kind of style about them and it just seems so effortless. Yeah, I love that. Jess, you have already made such a huge impact on the Australian and the global scene. You've dressed some amazing superstar, well-known names like just uh, Jacinta Franklin, Renee Barr, and even Brooke Hogan. Do you think some of this is behind your success or how do you react when you get approached by someone like Jacinta to make a dress for them? Yeah, I mean, Jacinta was one of the first sort of celebrities that um, I was able to dress and that was, I think, a month or two of opening and it was such a surreal feeling. But um, I think we just understood each other. I think I knew what kind of look she wanted and she kind of loved the brand as well. So it's really nice to know that, you know, you're not going after these celebrities. They they are organically, like, drawn to your brand and aesthetic and it's it's nice to kind of work together and collaborate and work on a piece that can also work for me to sell um, as part of the collection but also something that they personally love to wear themselves. Um, so... No, I've been really grateful for that. They're, um, yeah, and they're uh, huge support as well. Well, let's talk trends for our 2021 brides as there are, um, I'm sure, a few listening right now. What what are you predicting the top trends for this coming wedding season to be? Um, this season we're going to focus on mixing tops and skirts, so not essentially just dresses um, and also becoming experimental so maybe it's a silk satin you know blouse top with you know and with a pleated sort of chantilly skirt and just you know as you would in everyday fashion mix and match and why can't you do that with bridal I think it's beautiful gorgeous we've been seeing some of that I think over the last couple of months I've seen a few brides that are wearing those two pieces and it's so bold I think the other thing is you know these gowns that we create it's you know a huge investment for some of the girls and I think if it's a top that you can wear you know um again you know even with a pair of beautiful such a good idea yeah I mean we've got this beautiful silk satin um really soft 
shirt that's coming out in the next collection. And when I was trying it on for the first sort of twirling stage, I had my jeans on with it and I thought, well, I could actually just wear this down the street. And that's that's so great. If a bride can wear it on her wedding day and feel so amazing and then later on be able to have an opportunity to wear it again, I think it's definitely value there. So that's one of the key sort of trends um, for next year. But I think also another trend that was big last year, which will continue to be strong next year, is um, ball gowns. Um, I think, I mean, we our sort of most popular ball gown is called the Love and Potofino gown, and it is quite a full skirt, but it's still very lightweight. So I think that we're going to continue that sort of style and shape in the next collection but just mix it up with different fabrications um because it was so popular last year and i think it, it it's still um going to be popular next year so and i think just experimenting with fabrics and textures um instead of looking to traditional um bridal laces i think girls are going to look once you know they see girls coming out with you know um a geometric kind of vibe or um you know experimenting with um, different textures they're gonna you know sort of look beyond um you know the traditional kind of aesthetic how much flexibility does a potential bride have to customize a piece from a designer so if i love the um this new beading you're talking about that i can't wait to see um but there was a bit of lace on that dress and i didn't really like the lace look i wanted to make it a two-piece how flexible can you be and, and what can we ask our designers and what should we really not ask our designers? Um, well, we are personally, we are really um, completely flexible. Um, I'm not sure about other design houses, but because we are a couture house, everything is made to measure. Um, so girls can walk in, they can try on a shape and style and purchase it as it is, but we do make it to their measurements. So it is made from scratch, um, but they can also customise. So if they love a gown, but they want to change, you know, the strap width or maybe the colour of the, the lining they're welcome to do that or they can walk in and say, Jess, I just want you to design something completely one-off and custom for me and I can do that as well. So we're so flexible um, and everything's made in-house in the atelier so they meet the design team and and go through the five-fitting process with us all. So A truly incredible experience. Okay, so when a bride comes in um, to to you and they have, you know, a style in mind that they've dreamt of for however long, Mm -hmm. um, do you encourage that bride to perhaps try on a variety of styles, even if they think that they have their particular style in mind? Um, I think I do encourage them to be open to trying on different shapes. I mean, the shape is where we kind of start from. It's the foundation of the gown. And I think it's so important that they pick a shape that's most flattering for their body. I mean, a girl could walk in and say, look, I only love slimline gowns. Um, I don't want anything full. But when she puts on that slimline gown, you know, that full length gown, which she's probably haven't tried on before and sees that it's maybe not the best shape for her, then I say, well, you know, maybe try like an A-line skirt. And she'll see that it's so flattering on her body and then she won't look beyond that and then know that she can have a gorgeous dress with maybe the same embellishment from the other gown, but have it in a shape that's most flattering for your body. And I think that's where she'll feel the best. I think it's just really important that they are educated on shapes. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess that you've got such a variety of amazing gowns in your studios that you know, a bride should come in and try a few on and see what she loves. And it sounds like you can customize things for them. So they might like the top of one and the bottom of another. So that's amazing advice. 
Yeah, and I think naturally girls know what suits them and I think they walk in knowing, you know, what shapes are most flattering on them and 90% of the time they pick the right shape. But I think it's for the girl who's not really sure what look she wants to go for on her wedding day. It's up to me to sort of guide Mm. So then if the bride comes in and she has a pretty strong idea about what sort of dress she wants, do you then ever ask them questions about their venue or their style of wedding? And do you help them to style the dress to, say, the venue or do you just let them go free reign and just say, it doesn't matter, pick the dress of your dreams and it'll it'll, it'll work in your venue? I definitely think the venue has a huge part to play. Um, I think it creates the setting. And, um, you know, for example, if it's a beach wedding on the sand, I don't encourage a girl to wear like a full long sleeve, heavily beaded dress because you just know that it's going to be uncomfortable. They're going to be hot. It's going to be heavy. So, I and I try and picture their wedding. You know, if, if it's um, you know in the Amalfi Coast, um, in Italy, in a beautiful church. You know, I'm like, okay, let's go for a big ball gown because you know you're going to have a huge cathedral. You need to be balanced with that. Um, go for a traditional veil because it is a traditional setting, and I think they love that. Like really play up. To- That is good advice. So what are some um, other, I guess, common mistakes brides can make when searching for their dream dress and and what's your advice on on helping them to avoid making those mistakes? I think the common mistake is um, focusing on trends and, you know, there's a lot of beautiful designers all over the world that shoot these incredible campaigns and they look incredible on the models but in real life, they look very different. So I think it's important not to be swayed by images and to focus on you as a person. Um, what's your personality like? Um, you know, what do you like to wear on an every? Are you a casual girl? Um, are you a minimalist? Are you really feminine? And just stay true to that. I think if you're, you know, like a very chic girl that doesn't wear lace, I think don't wear lace. Go for something really clean, like a beautiful crepe, and avoid the floral. Um, that's why I think. And you'll feel really like you on your wedding day and you'll be confident. I guess the question that comes from all brides-to-be is they talk about finding the one and that you'll know when you find the one. How can brides be sure that they've found that one? Look, you know, with couture it's really different because you don't just walk in and see your gown and, and that's it, the one. I mean, it might work for some girls, but a lot of girls that are going down the custom path, I think it's really about finding um, the right designer that you can connect with, that you can trust um, and that you love their aesthetic and you've had, you know, great word of mouth, um, you know, I think it's important to sort of um, that's when you know you found the right couture house to work with because I think, you know, if, if you were buying off the rack and you, you were purchasing a gown and you knew exactly what you were getting and you, that was the one, then that would be easy. But I think it's really about trust and having faith in your designer and just a, a general feeling and having that reassurance that they know what they're doing and you're not going to walk out with a gown that's that you're not happy with. And I guess this is kind of a bulletproof process in couture because we don't actually move to the next stage until you're 100% happy. So we'll take as many fittings as possible until you are happy. And generally that's one or two maximum fittings until we we know, okay, we've established the shape. You're really happy with that. We're going to make your real gown now. It's it's We're cutting out the fabric now. And, yeah, we haven't had an issue at all with that. So I think... Um, just about finding a home and connecting with the designer. When you're first starting that finding your dream wedding dress, 
shop and you're looking at designers um, and you might come across your amazing store, what can a bride expect when they book in an appointment with you or when they do take on that wedding dress journey um, with your with your studio? What what What's in it for them and what sort of timeline are they looking at? So we usually like to start, I encourage brides to come in, you know, 12 months before their wedding so that they're, they're not rushed at all and, and they've done their research. Um, so they'll come in and meet with me for a one-on-one consultation where we'll, you know, talk about their actual wedding and, and the venue and the overall aesthetic and um, the number of people at the wedding so we can just really picture it together. And then I'll ask them, ask them if they've tried on, you know, other designs before and worked out their shape and then, you know, what do they love about our brand and are there any particular styles that they've seen that they want to try on and kind of just break it down from there. Um, mm-hmm. And then we, we do try on a few shapes, probably about four or five, and then we narrow it down from there. And I think you'll know straight away um, which shape is best for you. And um, from there we talk about customization. you know, um, what we can do in terms of embellishment and and colour and fabrication and kind of work out exactly what they want. And it's from there it's kind of a trust process and then we'll, um, if they go ahead and they purchase with us, then um, we book them in for their measurements, which is generally nine months back from the wedding. And then from there we do their first what's called a toile fitting. So that's like a prototype of their gown um, made to their measurements and that's at that point in time where we really dissect the gown and make sure that they're happy with the neckline shape, the boning, um, whether they want that exposed or not, the fullness of the skirt, um, all those little details, those construction details. And um, I think yeah. at that stage they would be pretty confident and then we move forward onto cutting out their actual gown and then picking embellishments and so on from there. So Wow, there is so much work in there for you guys. And no wonder you need 12 months to, to um, pick and make a wedding dress. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, girls wouldn't know until until you enter the atelier and you're explained all that it is trying to it is hard to kind of understand why they take so long and why they are the price they are but I think they have a full they have full respect and appreciation for it once they're um in the process yeah it's just such an incredible experience I was getting goosebumps as you were talking through that process because I love my job it's so rewarding and it's so nice to meet you know beautiful girls from all over the world and you know they kind of become friends throughout the journey and, you know, it's sad to see them at the end when they pick up their gown. You're like, am I going to see you again? But, um, <laughs> you know, they look back with their girlfriends. So it's, it's yeah, it's really lovely. Oh, Jessica, thank you so much. We uh, That was incredibly insightful. We love chatting to you. We absolutely cannot wait to see your new collection. Now that is dropping today at the very same time as this episode. Um, so for our listeners, make sure you follow Jay Andrietta on Instagram if you're not already. Her designs are truly incredible. And Jessica, thank you once again. Thank you so much for having me. Ask Ali. Okay, well, most weeks we do our Ask Ali section. So this is where you can DM us at Wedbooker on our Instagram page at Wedbooker there and ask Ali anything that you would like to know. So we have a couple for you today, Ali. Firstly, Taylor from Noosa, how do I pick the perfect wedding date? Which season is best? I can't choose. Help. I guess when you're in Noosa, the the weather is amazing all year long anyway. I know, right? Um, Look, I I guess it depends. Taylor, if you're getting married or you're looking at getting married in Noosa where you live, 
I would actually probably suggest maybe avoiding summer, um, maybe because it, it just gets so hot up there and you don't want your guests to be dripping in sweat. Um, I think a winter wedding in Noosa could be absolutely beautiful and maybe even a little bit cheaper. So the short answer to this one is different seasons suit different couples in different venues. So depending on which part of Australia or the world or New Zealand or wherever you're getting married, just think about the comfort of your guests. And if they're going to be standing somewhere for an hour or they're going to be in a, in a venue for three hours for your reception, are they going to be really hot in the middle of summer? Or are they going to be freezing cold if you're you know, in the Southern Highlands or something in the middle of winter? If you're really stuck on a certain season and let's say you, you want to do summer in Noosa or just say your dream wedding venue only has a summer date left, which sometimes happens, then just think about what you can do to make your guests more comfortable. Add in fans or if it's really cold, maybe give them little blankets. So I think really it's just about making sure that the season suits the venue or the location and try to make your guests as comfortable as you can. Mm, yeah, good tips. I actually like the idea of little blankets, particularly like on a, a winter wedding in the Southern Highlands or something. It's so romantic. No, it's so snuggly. Yeah, or fireplaces too. Oh, beautiful. Okay, I've got another one here. Felicity from Brunswick in Melbourne. She says, I've always dreamt of getting married in New Zealand. How do I convince all my friends it's worth booking the flights for my wedding day? Is it too much to ask? Well, this is where we can add the blankets. I mean, perfect. You're getting married in New Zealand, but in winter you can take some amazing blankets. Um, but look, good. I, that is a pretty good question. Um, I think it's just me. It might just be me, but if it's your dream to get married in New Zealand, do it. It's your wedding day. You've been dreaming of this for your entire life. So Felicity, I say book the New Zealand wedding. Your friends and your family love you and they will make the effort to be there on the day. I wouldn't miss my best friend's wedding for the absolute world. So I think your friends will be there. Just consider a few things maybe before you book the date to make it easier for them, like school holidays and peak periods in New Zealand. Aim to avoid a wedding that's during these peak periods. So I guess in New Zealand, that's going to be winter because then flights and accommodation are going to be a little bit more affordable for your guests if you're doing you know, a, a summer wedding in New Zealand. And then also you don't need those beautiful blankets. Yeah, that, this is true. My other tip would be um, make sure you give people enough notice, particularly, you know, some people's workplaces aren't as flexible as others. So if you give them, you know, 12 months notice, then at least they can put their leave in well in advance. Yeah. And there are so many other pieces in having an international wedding as well. Give your guests um, accommodation tips, give them uh, tips on how to get from the airport to wherever the wedding location is, really help them out because they're in a whole new space that they're not usually used to traveling within. So I would say build a really epic wedding website as well and give give them as many tips as you can to make them feel like a local in the new area. Yeah, good advice. Perfect. Again, if you want to ask Ali anything, you can just send us a DM on our Wedbooker Instagram page. Okay, just a reminder, guys, to celebrate the launch of the Wedding Digest, we are giving couples a chance to win one of four wedding planning packages with Ali to kickstart your wedding planning. We've already announced two winners, but there are still two chances to win. So to enter, head to the Wedbooker Instagram page, tag three friends in your bridal party or some of your friends who are also getting married and name your dream honeymoon destination. The competition ends June 23. If you want to check out what's included in our wedding packages, head to webbooker.com. You can find our directory of over 400 incredible suppliers there ready to help you plan your dream wedding. And even better, you can actually book all of the suppliers directly through Wedbooker. Thank you so much again for listening. We'll be back in your ears next week for another episode. We have another surprise guest. Follow Wedbooker on Instagram to find out who that is. We'll chat to you then. See ya.
Thanks for listening to the Wedding Digest podcast brought to you by Wedbooker. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe to our weekly podcast and let us know what you think by leaving a review. You can also find us on the gram at Wedbooker to start planning your dream wedding or for one-on-one wedding advice from Ali, head to wedbooker.com where you'll also find show notes and more info on any of our amazing guests and suppliers.